All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on DailyFaceOff.com. Welcome to episode 267 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger, and as always, it's brought to you by Botano.ca. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Stay in the game at Botano.ca, where, hey, if uh, if you're in the game on Thursdays, you always got a lot of games. 13 games on sked tonight, as the uh, NHL has very much become a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday heavy league uh, this year. But I don't mind it. So uh, busy night, 13 games tonight. Of course, you've got the uh, national championship coming up uh, on Monday and uh, the final week of the NFL. So uh, whatever tickles your fancy, try it out at Botano.ca. We welcome in Frank Saravalli and uh, Frank, uh, Happy New Year! Uh, first pot of the uh, of the 2024 calendar year, and uh, 2024 setting up to be a to be rather entertaining here. The uh, the playoff races at, at pretty much every position, whether it's first in divisions, conferences, second, third, wild cards, it is shaping up to be a heck of a race here. There's no clear cut favorites, which I think is the best situation possible. Um, even when we had one last year in Boston, they get dispatched in the first round. So it truly is this year, anyone's game. And I mean, even look at the toughest division in the league in the Pacific, let's start there. What about the Vegas golden Knights? They started the season 11, and one. And since then they are sub 500. Have they hit a wall? Yeah. They've only won nine of 24 games for the defending champs. And you know, nine, 11 and four to be exact. And you know what? Yeah. Like, I, I think 
you know, they're a team that obviously come playoff time. They, they've been there a lot. They've been to the conference final four times. So I think they have a group of players who, who know how to win, but at the same time, they're going to be playing some hungry teams. LA wants to win. Edmonton obviously wants to win. Vancouver looks like they'll be in the, uh, the dance for the first time in a few years and pretty competitive team. So, uh, you know, Vegas, Vegas, the, to me, the, the challenge is they just, they're not getting a lot of scoring right now. But that kind of makes sense to me when you look at their roster. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I think they're one of the more top-heavy teams in the league. At least just look at their salary cap structure. They've got a couple players right at the very top in Eichel and Stone. And then they've got only a couple mid-range players like Marcheseau in that pay scale and Barbashev. And then after that, they've got a bunch of guys that are making basically league minimum right around there. And it, it kind of, to me, it, it, unless you're getting someone toward the bottom of that pay scale, that's really overachieving, which is, is possible. But if your stars go cold or go on a stretch where they're not producing quite as much, there's not really a lot of extra help at times to pick you up. And that's, that's sort of the blessing and the curse of their structure is it's, it's great that they're able to fit the stars in that they want to, and, and we're able to acquire them. But when things go sideways, you're not, you don't have a lot of help at your disposal. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. And they also miss Shea Theodore, right? Like oh, they, they miss him a lot. To me is the biggest, the biggest piece missing because he also drives offense too. Like he's, uh, yes. he's a really complete player and that hurts. Yeah, out of this uh, 24 game span, Theodore's only played six games, but he has six points in his six games. But uh, he has been out since late November, and and they really miss him. I don't think there's any question. They got a pretty good defense core, but he 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 plays a significant role. And uh, you know, it's 23 minutes a night that's out of the lineup, and you know, other guys can fill in. But you know, I still, you know, to me, Vegas. Let, let's talk about Vegas when we get to the beginning of April and we see where they're at because. Um, you know, until the champs get beat, they're still the champs in my eyes. And I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't count them out at all, but they definitely like, if you look at, at how far Edmonton was back, Edmonton is 10 points back of Vegas with three games in hand. And, and suddenly like they've closed the gap significantly as uh, they've obviously been the hottest team in the league in those two months with the best uh, percentage with 17 wins. Is Vancouver still in the driver's seat to win the division? Um, yeah, but I, I think so, right? They're not now. They're six points up on LA, and LA has what three games in hand. So it's not like they're you know they're sitting there with their with the window down. They got their elbow hanging on top of the door with their shades on, right? Uh, casually strolling down the stretch drive by any stretch. But I think that uh, you know Vancouver's proven that you know their hot start wasn't just a hot start. They've maintained uh, I think pretty good consistency all year long uh, for them. And They've got the best goal differential in the league by 20. Yeah. Well, that ha- they you know, you, when you win a game, what do they win? 10 nothing at uh, one game can really can But really still, they they're 20 up. Uh, every other team's had a blowout at some point that's got a really good goal differential. So, I don't I don't to me that's not score effects or anything like that. Yeah. It's like Washington, right? Washington's people are like, how can they have a winning record and have such a terrible goal for against? Well, if you look at their games, they uh, 11 of their um, 18 wins are by one goal. And then if you look at lots of their losses are three goals plus like when they lose, 
They lose big five, one, four, one, six, nothing, five, nothing. They can't That's score. They're the and only so, team in the East that doesn't have a hundred goals for this year. They're no, still at 88. Yeah. They can't score at all. It's uh, um, well, their, their head coach even said it right now. Ovechkin is slowly starting to wake up a little bit offensively, but yeah, they're Washington. The closest team to them in goal goals for in the East is Montreal and they're 18 goals ahead of them. 18. It's it's crazy how much Ovechkin's production has dropped. Right now, he's on pace for 18 goals. 18. Yeah, a, like he, yeah. he's not he's not on track to break 20. Yeah, he will though. He's starting. He will you know, break like, 20. He'll have a game where he scores a hat trick or whatever else. But his previous career low prior to this is 32. Yeah. Yeah, like what does he have? Three goals in his last seven games. Like he he started to score again. Um, but yeah, he was he was so anemic offensively to start the season that yeah, I think I think he is he he's he's likely gonna ha- set a new career low. Uh, which is crazy to think about that a player that's played that many years, his career low, and and, and that was during a it's almost a guarantee that he sets a career low. Yeah. Yeah, you would think no, so. that was over a full season. His previous yeah. 2010 11, he had 32 goals in 79 games. Right. Yeah. Still a pretty good career low. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. I mean, it's, it's good, I guess, but there's, I think there's virtually zero chance he gets to 30 this year. Yeah, it could be right. Yeah. And all, all it does is it extends the, uh, the drama in the chase. No, I think it ac- absolutely kills the drama. There's no more drama. It'll just become hang on scoring 15 goals a year for however long it takes, which Hmm. to me, there's no drama there. Uh, Or they get him a playmaking center. I think that, uh, I think that's a big factor here, right? Yeah. You you have, when you're a shooter like that, you need a good puck distributor. And I think it's obviously Backstrom and Kuznetsov not playing with them. Uh, There, there are some effects there, but I still look at Ovechkin. He's got three and seven games. Could, could Ovechkin score 20 goals in the final 48 for where they ever got 46 games. I wouldn't be shocked. Okay. Three and seven is on, is, is a 35 goal pace. So still not that impressive. And when you take, you add in all the time that he missed um, again, very unlikely to hit 30. Yeah. Well, see, it's funny that you say 35 goals isn't impressive. Now maybe, maybe for Ovechkin for Ovechkin, it isn't, I'm sorry for a, when you hit, 50 goals as many times as he has getting to 30 is not a, and you had 42 last year. It's not like last year he had 37 and it's like, okay, 30. No, like it's not even in the same window of what he had last year. Yeah. That's down year. There's no question, but age, age can play a factor. Like he is, is 38, right? It's not like he's in his prime. who's 28 years of age, right? Like he, even, even the greats are eventually going to slow down. I would think so. It's, Slow is the operative word. He doesn't, yeah. he's not, he's not in it. No, I, uh, I heard on the broadcast the other day, someone was talking about him quote slimming down. I don't, I don't know about you. He doesn't look any different to me. And what he's really lost is the foot speed. Yeah. So he, uh, maybe, maybe he's going to try rocket gear in the, uh, in the summer, Frank, maybe that's what he'll do. What is that? So- I know it's just the, uh, I've seen it. Uh, well, what's Chris Kreider's a huge fan of it. I know you, I've read some articles about it, but Chris is, that where Kreider, you, is that your hat? That's where my hat is. Yeah. But so what the, is uh, Explain it. 
it's just like a, a weighted, it's a weight training thing that they use on, on shin pads and stuff for, for like Chris Kreider uses it, um, Adam Fox and a few other guys. Uh, I think there's more players around, but I, I've seen those two specifically talk about it and how it, it just helps them for, cause you know, skaters, if the only way to get faster is you got to skate lots. And so with this stuff, supposedly it, it's going to allow you to skate less because you've got weights around your uh, shin pads and stuff. Now it's all scientific and where they put the weights and stuff like that. And I'd go listen to the interview Kreider. I got to find it online, but that guy was, was like, he was a scientist talking about the benefits of it. And so hmm. he believes and Kreider's a, now Kreider's a great skater. So maybe it's unfair, um, you know, but I, I'm, when I look at a guy like Ovechkin, I think they're proud players. Now, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Ovi's just going to slog his way through here, but well, would Ovechkin tr- change some of his offseason stuff to, to gain a little bit of speed and be able to get his shot off more? If he does, I don't think a 35-goal season's out of the question next year. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Never count him out, because whenever you think he's slowing down, he he really isn't. But this yeah. year has been different. No, it has been for sure. But I remember when he scored 32 and people were writing him off then, which is crazy to think of how many 50 goal seasons he's had post that 32 game season. People are like, what's wrong with Ovechkin? Oh, well, geez, it, it was going to be the score. As recently as when the uh, Penguins beat the Caps and won the cup in 16, the following year in 17, Ovi was really dis, you know, for his standards, really disappointing. 33 goals in 82 games. And people were thinking then, okay, 31 years old, this is maybe the time that he's slowing down. And he comes back the following year and leads the league with 49 and then has yeah. 51 and 48. He hit 50 as recently as two years ago at the age of 36. I mean, it ne- the t- the Ovi talk never gets old, but it feels like he is. Yeah, it's crazy though when you when you consider you know the fifty goal seasons. You know he had forty nine like the year like he's already tied the record for most fifty goal seasons. And then he has a he has a forty nine. He has a forty eight. He had yeah, the, I really the wanted uh, him the, to break that. That's an incredible out. statistic. Oh. The lockout season is shortened. He had 32 and 48. He was on pace for 52 that year. Like it's ridiculous um, how how good of a goal score he is. Right. Like I think it's kind of like McDavid in a sense that there, there's a I find in hockey for what and not just hockey, but in other sports, there's there's some people that are just they they want to find the next great thing rather than appreciate the greatness, like what Ovechkin's done is amazing. No one ever thought anybody was going to really catch Gretzky's record. No one ever thought it. Now here we are. And yeah, he's having a slow season this year, but the only reason he's close to the race is because he was a ridiculous goal scorer for decades. Mm -hmm. And, you know, McDavid has 900 points in 602 games, right? The fifth fastest all time. And, you know, people are like, I just find it's funny in hockey. They don't, they, they also, they want to find ways to, 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 to not enjoy the greatness. Now, maybe it's because a player plays on one team. So fans and media that, that, that don't cover that team are like, well, fans get sick of Ovechkin scoring on their team. And I'm sure they get sick of McDavid, you know, like Austin Matthews this year scoring on their team. But yeah, I but- find it's a funny thing in hockey where there's, there's rarely the celebrations of the greatness as much as there should be. Well, you know who contributed to that this week? John Tortorella. Like what, what's his problem? Why can't he just, so McDavid's, 
scores five points the other night against the Flyers, all primary points, factors into every goal in a in a five goal uh you know, five was it five two or five three win? Five two. Yeah. Like so he's asked after the game about McDavid and can't he just he can't say anything nice. Well, I did like, yeah, couldn't say anything at all, right? Man, don't ask me about the other team. Like don't ask yeah. me about the other like come on, you can't for for 15 seconds just talk about the greatest player in the world. You yeah. can just just something he tore us apart tonight. That's it. That's all you needed to say. Yeah. You can't, but you can't do it. And yeah. and what? So what's his beef? <laughs> That's just torts. Like, no, I don't but think that but change. that pisses me off. That actually yeah, bothers fair. me. It, and yeah. it's it's not. It's because here's why. It's because he wants to talk about effort all the time and how going hard and competing. You know, listen to his his standard spiel that he gives you, and then he gets to that's that's the way he wants his team to work. And then he gets to the media portion after a loss or, or at any point, and he mails it in or is critical of the media or wants to spar with the media. And then as soon as he gets fired, the first thing he does is run to ESPN and be part of the media. Yeah. It's not a great look. It's fair. So, so what is it? Is the media evil or are you just, is is he phony? Like, what is it? What's the deal? It's a good question to say. When, if you ask your players to work hard and do your best all the time, then, and guess what? Part of your job as a coach is to talk to the media. So do your best. Well, I just, part, part of it is just like, yeah, I get that you're a competitive guy and you want to win. And and maybe he was frustrated by the loss. The Flyers battled back in that game and then they just didn't have enough. But you, you like, he couldn't give McDavid flowers years ago when he was on TV and was saying, Oh, maybe he needs to do more in order for that team to win. Maybe he just doesn't like McDavid. Maybe he doesn't think he's any good. Or maybe he doesn't know how to relate to elite level skill, right? He's all about guys. They got to work hard, right? You got to work. Hard work is is always going to be talent. Well, except when the talent works as hard as you, then guess what? You're going to lose. Right. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I don't, um, because if you watch the NBA, Watch the NBA and watch how their star players and coaches talk about the other superstars. Like when they make great plays, the players show their fans the game. Like they're like, oh my God, did you see that? And they go off about it. The NHL, the players don't do it. The you know coaches, the odd coach will do it at times. But it's funny how it's almost like, God, we can't say he's great because if we do, then he's going to know we think he's great. Well, of course, you, the, the players know you think are great. Like, unless you're idiots. Oh, geez, I didn't think Austin Matthews very good. Connor McDavid. Oh, is he good? We don't know because we're only focused yeah, on our team. Like, give me a break. Insane. Yeah. So uh, that, that ties into the larger overall fan reaction from that game, which was McDavid becomes the fifth fastest player to hit 900 points. And I tweet out the stats and where he ranks and the four guys that are ahead of him, pretty elite company, Gretzky, Lemieux, uh, Peter Stastny and Mike Bossy. And the response isn't like, Oh man, that's really impressive for McDavid. It's like, wow, look at that number from Gretzky. And like, yeah, I get it. Like almost all the Gretzky stats are, Hmm. are eye popping. Well, for the young generation, I don't think they understand how good he was. Yeah, that part, but it's also a totally different game. 
And and this is why context is important because I, I then tweeted out the next day um, from our friend Paul Paduti, who puts everyone on a level playing ice level ice surface and makes all of, he adjusts all of the scoring eras. And with all due respect to Peter Stastny and Mike Bossy, they they attained their stats and Gretzky at a time when they were scoring between seven and eight goals per game. It's a different landscape. So if you put everyone on a level ice surface, McDavid actually is the third fastest in league history behind Gretzky and Lemieux. And he's almost neck and neck with Lemieux. And he's a hundred, a hundred games back of Gretzky when it's adjusted, it goes from 217 games back in, in like what the, the stat book would say to in reality, exactly a hundred when you adjust for that era difference. And that's really the context that's important. That, to me, explains the greatness that we've seen from McDavid in such a different way. And it almost feels like, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that he's underappreciated, but we have a hard time in the moment in hockey appreciating nice things. It's almost like their stock gets better after they're gone because we can finally sort of put it in perspective. And instead of enjoying it now, it's like, let's just, you know, let's pile on at times and be critical. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you look at now when you said seven, eight goals a game, you meant combined, right? Yes. Yeah. Because like if you look at the at the orders last year scored four goals a game, right? Um, the, the orders this year are uh, right under scoring four goals a game against the top teams are scoring four. And if you look in the 80s, the, the uh, decade of the 80s. You know, the Islanders were just at four. Philly was slightly over 404. The Edmonton orders, because of Gretzky, were yeah, at but 4, 85, 7, 5. 86, 81, 82, they were, the league was literally averaging over, over eight goals a game. Yeah, but my point is, if you take out Edmonton, which was Gretzky, it alters things significantly. They were, the, the Edmonton orders scored a full goal a game more than every team but eight in the league for a decade. Right, like that's a significant difference. And what was the what was the one major factor there? Wayne Gretzky. Like I think, go look at Gretzky's points. And how many other guys had 120, 130? And then Gretzky's at like 200. Right? It would I. You know, you can adjust everything you want, but even then, we say, well, he's only a hundred games behind. Only it's adjusted, and he's still a full season and a bit better. That's still. I, ridiculous. I'm not taking anything away from him. All I'm saying is, think about the league environment when McDavid entered the league. 2015-16, he makes his debut. The previous season, the reigning Art Ross winner heading into McDavid's rookie year was Jamie Benn at 87 points. McDavid since then is 127 points north of any other player in the league. 127 more. My yeah. only my point wasn't to knock Gretzky. All of Gretzky's numbers are are insane the first thousand points and the second thousand points being within a few games of each other in 440 some games is bananas but the fact is the 10 years of the 1980s remain in since the expansion era the 10 highest scoring years in league history and it's not even close yeah 
I, I don't discount it. And I also think that Gretzky, though, himself was a major factor in that. That's all, right? Like he 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 changed it. Other teams had to play more offense because he was just that good. And in, now in the 106 year history of the league, this includes everything. Last uh this year is the 35th highest scoring year. Teams are averaging 6.28 goals per game. Total combined. 6.28. It they were north of eight in the eighties. It's a different game. Oh yeah. There's no question about it. Um, now the, uh, it's funny in the early, the twenties, the early years of the NHL were the highest scoring games, right? It's too bad. They didn't find a way to uh, keep that going because from uh, what is it? 18 to like 24, I think they have uh, six of the top nine scoring uh, seasons ever. That's uh, too bad they Did couldn't bring that. Did you see the goalies then, or nah. have well, you hey, seen photos? It'd be nice to bring it back. But I, hey, I'll say this about McDavid. And I crunched the numbers yesterday. I wrote the article. Connor McDavid's going to score two thousand points. Frank, mark it down. It's, it's. I'm not going to say it's easy because it's extremely ridiculously hard. But here's the numbers I crunched. So he's got 903 points right now. He's got 47 games left. Let's just say he averages what he's done the last four years, which is 1.73 points a game, right? So that puts him at around uh, 980 points by the end of the year. So he'll have between 1,000 and 1,020 points. Um, great players now are playing until the age of 39. He turns t- 27 in nine days. He would need, in those, in 12 seasons, he would need to score 1,000 points to get to 2,000. That's not very much because his, his average right now in points is 1.5 per game. He'll be above that for probably the next five years, and then he'll slowly go down. If he gets to 1.3 points per game over the last 12 years, which is quite a bit lower than what he's doing now, that'd be an additional 1,200. He'd be over 90. He'd be close to 21, almost 2,200 points. Like I'm telling people, a 2,000-point player is coming in McDavid. The only reason it doesn't happen is if he has a rash of injuries. And he's only missed 11 games in the last seven and a half years. So he's he's been pretty healthy. And I just... It's ridiculous accomplishment. Crosby's got an outside shot. Lots of things would have to happen for him to get to 2,000. I think if if Sid hadn't had all the concussion issues, I think he would be a 2,000-point player, right? No question in my mind. But but uh, Connor McDavid is going to not only get to 2,000, I think he's going to blow by it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I, and, you know, I it's don't all going to come down to health. Yeah. Always does. Like, when I, when I look at him, he is... He's been pretty healthy player, right? When you only miss 11 games over seven, eight years, it's not even two games a year. It's pretty good. Okay. I don't want to get lost too much in the stats, but I'm going to, I want one last thought. Cause I was thinking about this last night as Austin Matthews hit 30 goals in 35 games. Yeah. Because he scores so many hat tricks, does he have a shot at 50 and 50? He's only, he's on, not only he's on track for 43 and 50. Yeah. Well, when Gretzky scored 39 in 50 games, remember that he scored 15 goals in the last 50 and 39. Yeah. 50 and 39. But do you know what he was at? Right. He scored 50 and 39 at game 34. He had 35 and 34. And then he scored 15 goals in five games. (laughs) Yeah. So, Yeah, I, I look at Matthews, and now he would need 20 goals in 15 games. So difficult. 
No question. I think it's obviously super hard to do, but you're right because he scores in bunches. Um, I'd have to look at, at who they're playing here and, and how condensed their next 15 games are, right? If, if- he has three hat tricks this year and he has 10 multi-goal games. So he has uh, eight games of two or more. That's 16 and nine and three games. So I'm looking at their sched. Their next two games, now this is rare. They have a, a a home and away with San Jose. They're actually in San Jose on Saturday, and then they're home to the Sharks on uh, next Tuesday, right? Then they play the Islanders, the Avs. They don't play any back-to-back here for the rest of the month. So he's he's going to have rest. Like, I watched that Anaheim game last night. He had like 12 shots, man. He could have had three or four goals last night. Dostal was unreal. It was un- unbelievable. That's one it of the best un- individual goaltending performances I've seen in years. Yeah, well, the Vasilevsky one... Tampa when he stopped 57 shots the other day that was probably just as well it's probably better but Matthews last night oh my goodness I couldn't believe like every shift Frank he was just like I'm gonna get a good scoring chance here he he I know he only scored once but if if you watch that game you're like how did this guy only have one goal so you know he's around the net um let's say in San Jose he gets four or five goals in two games which would anybody be surprised the Sharks give up goals like nobody else so a shameless plug sharks. Uh, the NHL draft lottery tracker is live on daily Faceoff. It's 2024. Never too early to look ahead to the draft lottery. The sharks best odds 25.5%. Frank, it's like the sharks are playing in the eighties, buddy. They're allowing four goals against per game. 408, 4.08. So yeah, Matthews, you know, I'll say this, Frank, if he can light up the Sharks in two games, he sets himself up then. Let's say you get four or five goals in those two games. Well, now suddenly you're up to 34 and 37. Well, that looks like much more doable. So I think he has to have two big games against the Sharks, and then he's got a realistic shot. It's uh, it's a stretch, but the fact that we're even having the conversation is crazy because here's the thing. We've been talking about pace since the season started, and we said the other day, what do we set the over-under at? 67? or 64 for Matthews. And we both said it wouldn't shock us that he, if he gets to 70, yeah, I said 79, 70, nice. 70 and 82 is insane. So 50 and 50 is the fact that it's a threat is, is crazy. And by the way, the sharks, uh, how many is that in a row? Nine in a row that they've lost. Yeah. Oh, it's kind yeah. of crazy that, with the brutal start to the season that they had, then winning two in a row and costing you your hairstyle for a couple months, they kind of went on this stretch where they piled up a bunch of wins. From from November 24th to December 12th, they had points in like the bulk of their games. Six, seven, eight out of 11 which is crazy. They yeah. it's like they found themselves and then now all of a sudden they're back in the shitter. Oh, uh, they could easily be an 11 game losing streak cuz they were what did they start 0 10 and 1? I think it was. Um so you could have consecutive winless streaks or not consecutive but two winless streaks of 11 games before you reach the halfway point of the season. Ouch. It, I mean it, it's amazing that they remember we said 18 wins we were like oh that it'd be a stretch for them to maybe get to 20 like it's it's gonna be a stretch for them to still get to 20 
Dude, I said that, that's year, with that's it, that's with that streak that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Like they only won 22 games last year, right? Um, they they had a few more overtime losses, but yeah, the, the Sharks aren't very good. This is not this is not news to me at all. Like they, you're right, they had that little streak there. Six, they you know, were six two and one, six yeah. two and one. Yeah, there are Our some coach- teams that are knocking on the door of the playoffs that haven't had as good of a run as six two and one this year. Yeah. Mm. So they, uh, I think they're going to get, I think Matthews, it's a great point. I didn't know they're, they're playing the sharks back to back. That's crazy from East to West, but that'll be, uh, that's the chant, Frank. If, if Matthews goes off in two games, then I think the 50 and 50 watch is legit. So you mentioned Chris Kreider and I, I wanted to say this cause I don't think we really, I don't think we touched on it last pod, but I, I know we said at the beginning of the show, no favorites, I can't help but feel like the New York Rangers are destined for the cup final. Yeah, you love the Rangers. If, if I'm telling you, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a big better, but if I had a pile of money, I would be betting on New York Rangers Stanley Cup futures on Botano. Really? Yes. Hmm. Just you ever you ever go in and like look at like specific matchups? Like you can bet like New York Rangers, like you can pick their opponent and all the odds are like crazy different. Like I'd pick like a pot, like eight of them. I'd pick, uh, you know, Rangers against a bunch of these teams, just sprinkle a little money here or there. Hmm. The, the New York Rangers, according to Tyler on Botano, they're one of four teams at nine to one to win the cup. So co-favorites, I guess you could call them to get there. Hmm. Well, they, uh, the, what, what the Rangers are really good at is they know how to, what are they, they know how to win one goal games. That's for sure. They, I don't see a weakness, uh, like a glaring weakness in their team, but I also, um, like, what are they 12th in offense and ninth in, in goals against. So both really respectable, but you know, neither not, not top five neither. Now their power play has been legit. That's the, that's the one thing that's rolling for them. So yeah, I think they're good, but I don't, I don't see them as a, like you said earlier, I think it's, I don't see like an obvious standout favorite. I think the playoffs this year, the playoff race, which we can argue starts now, which is awesome. That and the playoffs is going to be like, I think to pick your bracket this year, play, unless there's a rash of injuries between now and the start of the playoffs, I think it's going to be very difficult to, to, to get even six right in the first round, which is awesome. Cause there's going to be lots of matchups of two really evenly matched teams. How many teams have a better right side of their blue line than the Rangers? Uh, maybe none. How many teams, at least with the way Quick is playing, how many teams? And and Shesterkin's been mostly average this year. Yes. How how many teams have a better tandem? Well, it's, what's funny is like you, it's it's interesting what you mentioned about Shesterkin because can you say tandem if your starting goalie is you know, had kind of a meh year. Can but you, you really know, you him- think that he's the elite of the elite though. But he isn't this year. Right. But right? generally like that's kind of that you're making my point for me in that the Rangers are where they are tied for the league lead in points. And Adam Fox has missed 10 games. Shesterkin's been mostly average. Like I, I, I find that a bunch of the things that have happened this year are probably unlikely to continue. 
Well, the one team that I find that's kind of similar to the New York Rangers is, is Colorado. Like you look at Colorado, they have 51 points. The Rangers have 51 points, Frank. Alex Gordiev has played 31 of their games for Colorado. He's got an 898 save percentage. Shesterkin's 906. He's got an 898. Now, his goals against average is 2.9, so it's not crazy. And, you know, so save percentage is just one stat. You got to look at other things. But still, they, uh, you know, he's played 31 of 38 games. Which much. is, I think, the highest percentage of a starting goalie for a team's total games played. And he's got an 898, and they still have 51 points. It's too much. I like that they played Prozvatov more, Ivan Prozvatov, in, in, the, in December. He got six starts in December, but it's that's too much for one goalie. I think it's going to be fascinating to monitor how does Georgiev hold up when you get to the playoffs because he's on track to play 60 plus games. How yeah. many, how many goalies have played 60 plus and then gone the distance in the last number of years? I think the answer is like zero. Yeah. You got to go back to um, Vasilevsky, right? Um, and and even that year that one was the, uh, the 56 game season. And the other one was when they, they were missed. both shortened seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of had a break during the one. So that way it really doesn't count because he had four months off. So there was definitely I, no fatigue. He went and played every minute of, of those two Stanley cup wins. Yeah. Every single minute, but you're right. Both of those years heading into them, 2020, he played 52 games out of like 70, which is still a lot. And then the next year, the shortened year, he played 42, a high percentage, but in the overall workload scheme, it's still not 60 plus. Yeah. Well, 42 out of 56 is pretty crazy, but um, they, uh, the fact that they had three months off and be, uh, well, no, they didn't have to, they had a lot of break leading up to the, that was coming off though. Those that 52 is when they had a shortened break, right? Cause they finished what middle of October. And then got the pay, right what, what, what we're saying is the same thing. The pace yeah. he, he paid, he played at a 62 game pace, but the season wasn't that long. So it still ends up being 20 fewer games that he played. Yeah. See, Georgiev, 20 fewer pace doesn't matter then. It's actually 20 fewer appearances that he didn't make. Yeah, like Georgiev right now has played the he's made the most starts, right? I look at starts. He hasn't he hasn't come in in relief of any games yet. Um, neither is Saros, who's 30, Bobrovsky 28, uh, Hellebuck is 26, Demko's uh, sorry, Hellebuck's 27, Demko's 26. Those are the top five guys in starts. Right. Sorokin's 24, Skinner's 25, um, Shisterkin's 23. So that's eight fewer than uh, than uh, Georgia. Right. So you're right. I think I think Colorado is going to have to either trust their backup or go find one. One or the other, because they got to they got to lower his. He can't start um, 31 of the next 38 games. I don't think he will. I just that's uh, um, that'd be a ridiculous decision by the organization to do it. And I think one of the other storylines that's been kind of lost this year, speaking of the West and goalies is obviously Jake Ottinger has missed a pretty significant chunk of time. The stars have been just fine without him, but Scott Wedgwood's really good. He is, but I'm saying my point is I think the stars are really good. They were my Stanley cup pick to start the year. I'm not, I have not seen anything yet to be like, yeah, they can't do it. 
Well, them in Dallas, man, they look like on a collision course. And don't count out the Jets. Them in in Colorado. Yeah. Like, what's going to be the juicier second round matchup? So, and again, not, I'm not knocking Winnipeg or counting them out, but if it's Dallas and Colorado and you've got one of the Oilers, Kings, and Golden Knights going head to head, it's going to be, I'm telling you, the, the West playoffs are going to be unreal. Even the first round matchups are going to be legit. You don't think Vancouver has a chance to be in the final four? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Like they but I don't think, I don't, I don't even think betting wise, they would be a favorite to be there. Because the one thing Vancouver, like the, if, if you pick Vancouver, Vegas, LA, Edmonton, I think Vancouver's got the best goalie. And that's a big advantage. Is the best play for for the Oilers to get that first wild card and potentially transfer over to the central, or is it no is it not any easier? No, I don't think it's you know, pick your poison there. I, I think I think Edmonton Edmonton is gonna push, like obviously you want to win as many games as you can. Um, I think I think you'd rather stay in your division than well, and first of all, Frank, I just want to say this again, public service announcement. The NHL. I, I said it just to just to get you riled up. Such a stupid rule. Like, why not fix it? If it's four and four, there should be no crossover. Think about it, like whether it's Edmonton or LA, whoever, and now they're gonna cross over and play Dallas or Colorado. What? You talk all year about how you want to promote rivalries, and now you're gonna basically neuter yourself and not have one. It's idiotic. Change the rule already. There's no reason not to. It saves on travel. It saves on a lot of things and it promotes rivalries. If it's four and four, there's no crossover. It's one versus four. And I don't know any GM who would be opposed to this. Oilers Canucks would be a dynamite first round matchup. Oh, if Vancouver unreal. wins the division. Those fan bases hate each other. It'd be awesome. Ve- Vegas and LA. I mean, yes. you, you can't, you cannot go wrong. No, you can't. So. Figured out NHL. It's a very simple change. Why this doesn't happen, it blows my mind. Like, God, such a dumb rule. Now, hey, before we get to, uh, actually, let's bring in uh, Tyler Yaremchuk, and then we'll uh, maybe talk about uh, one other topic after. Ty, how you doing? I'm good, boys. I'm ready to go with a new edition of Buy or Sell, the first edition of Buy or Sell of 2024, and it is brought to you by DoorDash for a limited time. Our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code NATION25. Maybe your New Year's resolution is to cook less. Maybe it's to try more local restaurants. DoorDash can help you out in 2024. Uh, A couple of spots to get to. You guys touched on Connor McDavid hitting 900 points, but I want to ask you guys, he would need 97 points in 47 games to accomplish it. Can he get to 1,000 this year? Buy or sell on that, Jay? I'm selling because the orders play 37 games in the final 72 days of the season. And I know McDavid does like playing more and March is historically being his best month. There's no question, but like 47 and 97. Now he is, and I've done the math already. He's, you know, he's at 2.11 points per game over the last 19 games, got 40 points. So could McDavid have a 47 game stretch of two points per game? He could, I just think it's really hard. So um, I'm going to, I think he's going to come slightly shy of it. I think he's going to be over nine ninety though. Damn. You're making me think about this a little bit differently with what you just said. Cause I was going to sell, but the last 19 games 
at least schedule wise, is the toughest stretch for the Oilers this season by virtue of opponent. If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. they've gotten through the hardest part of their schedule. They're playing a lot of the so-called worst teams in the league to close out the year. Although they do have some division games, some significant division games against the Canucks, against the Kings, etc., and Golden Knights. Um, so 2.11 points per game in his last 19, and he would need what? It's more than two. Like two point, yeah, two, I think 2. it's 2. like two point one eight or something. I would, I'm gonna sell just based on the math because I think it's such a long time to to run at that pace. But as Tyler said, made the point yesterday on Oilers Nation every day, he does sprinkle in a bunch of four and five point oh, games. Yeah. What if he has a six point game? Like the math suddenly gets a lot different. It's 2.06 actually is what he needs. So, so he would actually be at a, he just did a quarter of the season at a higher pace. Can Mm -hmm. he do a half of a season or a little more than that at, at that? I mean, it's possible. It's way more possible than I thought because it sounded outlandish when you first asked yesterday. No, like they, uh, February's tough. Like they, they just have so many games. Although McDavid is on record as saying he likes, he feels better when he plays more regularly. So, you know, like the orders, I'll say this, Frank, and the orders month of January is probably the easiest month they've ever had. Right? They they have they only play Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. That's it. They have no back to back. They only play ten more games the rest of the month, and they only have two against playoff teams. One of them, Nashville, who's barely hanging on, and then Toronto. So, could McDavid? Let's say in those final 10 games, let's say he pops off 25 points. Well, then now you're thinking, well, geez, he's only got 72 points in the, uh, in the final 37 games. Now suddenly it's under two points a game, right? So um, by the end of January, yeah, you probably, I might have a different answer for you. I still think it's hard. If he does it, it's unbelievable. It's kind of back to back 150 point seasons. The only guys who've ever done that are Gretzky and Lemieux. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of similar to the Matthews 50 and 50, right? It's like, okay, the math doesn't really work right now, but players like that score back-to-back hat-tricks like he's already done this season, and all of a sudden it starts to add up. Uh, let's stay in the Pacific Division in the Western Conference. I think everyone's kind of expecting that the Oilers have, now that they've moved themselves into a playoff spot, probably won't let go of it. But don't look now, the Seattle Kraken have won five games in a row. I'm going to say five playoff teams in the Pacific Division. Frank Byersell. Sell. Um, I know that I, I, I know that I originally said that the Pacific was going to grab five spots, but I thought that fifth team would be the Calgary and they, they just haven't gotten their act together. Um, I still think the wild are going to win one of the wild card spots. I know they're decimated by injury and we probably should touch on it quickly. Just all the, it's not even just all the guys that they're missing. It's all of the key guys that they're missing. Kaprizov, Gustafson, Zuccarello, Brodeen, uh, Spurgeon has missed a significant chunk of time. Like it's all key guys. But then I watched their game the other night against Calgary and like they were one goal away from from winning that game, I think. And that there's some scrap in that team. So when they get those guys back, if they can, they're kind of like two weeks away from getting closer to getting everyone back. 
that I, I think look out. They played really well under John Hines. I'm still sticking with the Wild. Yeah, the, I, hey, the Kraken, they're they're making it competitive for sure. Um, they got what Nashville and Arizona is all they'd have to pass. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, geez, I might uh, I might lean to yes. I think I had five the start of the year, but. Yeah, I wouldn't rule. I wouldn't rule it out now that Seattle can outduel Arizona and Nashville down the stretch. They're not catching Edmonton. Edmonton's gonna pull away and I think push into the uh, to the top three maybe. But yeah, uh, you know what? When when I look at Nashville and Arizona, then I look at Seattle. I say, why not? Right, Joey Decord, baby, Joey Decord. <laughs> All right, and uh, the last one I got for you. We'll head out east for one. A little bit of talk about the Penguins potentially being sellers this year and Jake Gensel maybe being a guy who they move out. I'm going to say the Penguins do not sell and the Penguins, I'm believing, they will be a playoff team this year. Gensel stays, Penguins make the playoffs. Greg, are you buying or selling? Well, they've pulled within, what are they, two points out of a playoff spot, same games played as New Jersey. So... They're right in there. It, it would seem odd to me that, you know, we're talking about them being a seller when they're two points out of the playoffs and we're, we still got 45 games left in the season, right? So 46, I think, for them. So um, I just, Sidney Crosby, they got too much high-end talent not to be a playoff team, right? Like Washington's coming back down to earth. Um, it's really almost, you can argue, it's going to be the Lightning and Penguins, you know, can they catch the Flyers, right? And I saw this Flyers team here, guys, and I'll say that's the worst power play that I've seen <laughs> in the NHL in a long time. Like, they don't have any high-end creative players. They don't have any high-end offensive players, and I don't think you can make the playoffs with a power play that bad. I know Pittsburgh's isn't great, but Pittsburgh's is improving. So, yes, I'm going to say I'm going to sell. The Penguins are making – or buy. The Penguins are going to make the playoffs. I don't know. I'm with you, but then we were having this same conversation last April when they, they lost – to the Blackhawks, no way Sidney Crosby and the Penguins are going to find a way to fall short. They did last year. I don't want to say that that team last year is better because I don't think they are, but this year has been pretty much totally underwhelming. And I, it's they've kind of gotten their act together of late. I'm just, I'm, I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other, is my point. I don't. Would I be surprised if they made it? No. Would I be surprised if they missed? No. Um, and if it comes down to, you know, f- five weeks from now, coming down to the wire of the deadline and they're in the exact same position that they are now, I don't know how they could possibly sell given what they've invested in this year. Yeah. Agreed. There you go. That is a wrap on this week's edition of Buy or Sell. As always, it's delivered by DoorDash. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, you mentioned the Minnesota Wild, and uh, they're, in the, they're in the news this week, Frank. Uh, Ryan Hartman uh, off a of face-off, a little uh, cheap, uh, you know, I don't, I don't. I guess it's in theory a high stick. It's more of a cross check to the face because his head was down, so it wasn't very high. And uh, you know, he said, "Hey, it was on purpose, Perfetti. That's a little payback for for the Jets taking out Kaprizov, who's their best player, after multiple cross checks. Dylan's first one didn't work. So, and I see it. People are up in arms about this. Like, what am I missing here? Like, the 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 best way to limit cheap shots in your players." is to cheap shot the other team's skill players, right? Like no offense going after Brandon Dillon and there was a fight is, is going to be great. There's the honor code there, but that's not going to stop the cheap shots on your players. It's a, the NHL can still be, it's professional hockey. There's still intimidation. There's still going to be cheap plays. I'm not saying I like the play at all, but I don't see why anybody's surprised by this. I don't understand the outrage. I mean, maybe it's just because, People here vocalized finally by virtue of yes. Perfetti being mic'd up. We've this is we've known this for the test of time that this is how the NHL works. The Jets are livid that because they they heard him say it, they felt like that should have automatically made for a suspension, even though that isn't evidence that's admissible by NHL discipline standards because that was part of the 2005 CBA. Yeah, we'll get players to be mic'd up and and wear it, but you can't then use that against them. So um, I get that part of it, but, you know, I I understand the stick to the face off the face off. Like, it, it was a message sent. It wasn't like, hey, I'm putting your teeth down your throat. Yeah. And... It was exactly what we've always thought the NHL is. And I think sometimes people don't, they don't like to hear it. It's, it's the old, you can't handle the truth. And that's kind of what it feels like now is, so wait, you're telling me that this is how it actually works? Like, yeah, no, it is. Like people are more upset and outraged over that. And, and if you watch the replay and I watch it many times, like it stings dangerous it's cheap it's dirty but it wasn't dangerous like there's more outcry over this because you you hear the audio than there are when guys get hit from behind i don't understand it like the people that are livid about this i'm like say very little and they're definitely not about it when we have these blatant hits from behind like i don't understand it right like if you look at dylan's cross check 
on Kaprizov. Watch how far he pulls back the second time and really gives it to him. If you look at Hartman just at the actual motion, take out the words, and you're like, yeah, okay, it's a little cheap shot to him. And it stings because anything that hits you in the face, it hurts more. But how much damage was there to Perfetti? Like, was it really this egregious? It's cheap and it's dirty. And Ryan Hartman's one of the greasier guys in the league. There's no question about it, right? Like, the guy gets fined, what is it, seven times or something like that? Like, he he plays on the edge. And But I really don't think the play itself was was as terrible as some are trying to make it out to be. I'm, I'm with you, but then there's like this outrage on social media because what we're saying now is more or less the same thing that was said on Sportsnet, and it's like, someone needs to get Jamal Mayers off the panel, and it's like, what? He's just confirming to you, having been in those situations, that this is how the league works, and if you don't like it, don't watch. Yeah. Like the, the players, it shouldn't be fans or analysts like anybody policing the game. It should be the players. I'm a big believer in that. And um, Hartman gives him a little shot. And Perfetti can't even take it personal because he's like, dude, it's not even about you. It's a story. Yeah, he's, um, a, he's a bystander. Yeah. And that's, and, that's and really, part of what pisses everyone off is that it's the guy that Perfetti that, you know, isn't going to be in anyone's face. He's the guy that gets whacked. Yeah. And, but, if you look at Kaprizov, like did Kaprizov deserve to get the, the hip pointer uh, cross check? No, but that's like, they'll take a full on cross check and no one's even like, just take the two plays and compare the two, which one's a worse play Dylan or Hartman in the context of the game. I, I'm with you. You're preaching to the converted. I don't, uh, I don't understand the outrage. No, wow. I, I, it's comical to me, the, the full outrage. And it's the same people it's all the just time. just social media. It's the same, it's the same clowns. Yeah. They, uh, the same virtue like, signalers that, that yeah. act that way. Yeah, like, Hey, is it a cheap play? Yes. Cheap plays happen. No one, yeah. Too. No one's, no one's saying that it, like, we think it's clean. Like, let's yeah. not mistake the two things. Yeah, but, but I, I also don't is- think it rises to the level of suspension either. No, and, the fact the, and the fact of the matter is that he tells the guy, Hey, I'm really sorry, man, but you're uh he, he basically admits, Hey, I gotta, I gotta do this for our team. And Perfetti's like, Oh geez, I might not like it, but God, I kind of got to respect that. He just told the truth. He just told me what was, why I did it. And you move on. Like, yeah, it hurts. But again, that's like, if we're going to be outraged about plays, we want removed from hockey. How about we start with the same outrage for hits from behind? Like, and until you're going to be that outraged about that, I, I really have a hard time seeing you uh, uh, yell and scream about this little cross check that was about a, a six inch movement. So then as we wrap up, what do you make of the whole Jason Zucker, Nick Cousins, like Zucker getting a three game suspension? I know the guy that retaliates always ends up getting it worse, but the only reason Zucker makes that play and sends the message is because of exactly what we're talking about right now. Retribution for what cousins did earlier in the game. And it's well, the second game. And as in like three weeks or four weeks with cousins where he's been in the mix on the same thing. Well, here, here's the way I look at it. Um, Zucker is well-deserving of his suspension. Um, if you want to do retribution, then you do it the way Hartman does cheap, dirty. It's not dangerous. What, what what Zucker did, you run a guy from behind like that. I hate hits from behind. I think they're the cheapest one. If you want to get pissed off at Nick Cousins, spin him around and sock him one. 
but don't hitting a guy from behind like that. Like that's a dangerous play. I don't like it. I hate it. Um, I've, I've, and I've talked about this for four years. I think it's the, the NHL had did a great job of eliminating headshots and they've done nothing to eliminate hits from behind nothing. Right. And, um, to me until they crack down on it, it's going to be a problem. And so this is a start. I'm applauding the NHL for finally giving someone a suspension. I'm still blown away that cousins didn't get it on Gabranson. I hated that hit, but, um, you know, Nick cousins, Hey, you know what, if you're going to play on the edge, that's going to happen eventually. And that's okay. But it shouldn't happen from behind. If you don't like how Nick Cousins is playing, then man up to him. Go to his face, go right to his face, right? Do that. But I don't like hits from behind. The, the NHL's got to find a way to get rid of them. So I applaud heavily a three game suspension. So what was more greasy? The Cousins hit on Valamaki, who's in a vulnerable position, or Zucker coming in and smoking him? It's a good question. Um, like one creates the other, right? Yeah, but two wrongs never make a right. Like I, you can't. I, I acknowledge that from the start, yeah. but is it is it really three games? I guess it is. Yeah, I, I think it's it's probably three games, but I do think Cousins on Valamaki hit is one that to me should be suspendable too. Right? I don't think it's I don't think it's as bad. Like Zucker took a good clean run, like from distance. There, it was obvious. What his intentions yeah, but it, were. Yeah. It's right? because he just saw Valamaki get hit in a in a vulnerable position. Yeah. The and only the only difference is the puck was there. Wow. Yeah. Like I don't like cousins now. That's you look at Gabranson, you look at uh, you know, he's getting a reputation now where that's a oh, guy. He's, had now, a, he's a greasy player for a while. Right. It's a greasy player, and you play on the line. And so I don't, it's funny. I think Zucker deserves his suspension, Frank, 100%. But I also think Nick Cousins, if you're going to keep playing on the line like that, guess what? You're going to be a recipient of dirty hits coming back your way. So you want to live by the sword at sometimes you're going to pay the price. I'm not applauding Zucker. I think it was a dumb play. All I'm saying is I can see how guys, when you continually do that to other players, other guys around the league are going to want to get their piece of you. Mm Mm-hmm. But the NHL could easily solve it. Start cracking down, right? Look what they did for headshots, Frank. They got headshots out of the game when they suspended Rafi Torres for 41 games. Right? Like they sent, and it took them a while. Let's make no mistake. It wasn't like it was just overnight, but they finally figured it out. So figure it out about hits from behind. I think we're in need of a bit of an overhaul to the system. Just hits from behind. Start there. Like just start there. I mean, how about this situation with David Perron? So he appeals his suspension to Gary Bettman, who upholds it. Then now they appeal to a neutral arbitrator, but because he's already missed the six games. Yeah. Do you know he was suspended on December 11th? It's January 4th, and we still don't have a hearing date for the neutral arbitrator. Yeah, well, dude, I've, that's what I've said. To me, the NHL, there's a simple thing. If you are if you allow appeals, it's like Major Leagues of Baseball. You keep playing until the appeal's heard, and then your suspension starts or is, is reduced or overturned. That's like having an arbitrator said, yeah, you can have a ruling, but your suspension starts today is the most idiotic thing I've ever heard. I don't heard. even think you, you, can, you need to keep playing, but what's to stop all of this from taking place in a week? You you hear you have the susp- you have the suspension. Everyone comes to New York. You have the hearing the next day. Bettman issues his ruling twenty four to forty eight hours later. Put a cap on it. First off, I, I think it should immediately go to neutral arbitrator. That's to me the biggest part of the system that's broken. 
if it's appealed, it doesn't go to the commissioner. The commissioner is just going to likely uphold his own department and their process. There's nothing neutral about it. No. And I find that the most interesting part of the ruling that we read publicly is we never hear the case that was made really by the Department of Player Safety. We just hear Bettman sort of pick through the argument that the NHLPA and the player makes. Yeah. Oh, trust me. It's Well, for, honestly, I think the appeal process is, is simply there for optics. That's all it is. It's like, hey, guys, we have an appeal process. We know it's terrible. We know it's, it's uh, you know, uh, your suspension could be over before you even have it. But we have an appeal process. And the NHLPA is like, ah, all right, okay. There's only a few guys a year where, where it's really going to impact them, so we'll live with it, right? Doesn't seem like this is one of the hills they want to die on. So they don't, they don't really push back against it. It's kind of like a kangaroo court, let's be honest. There's no... It's pretty the, much what it feels like. Like it comes down to, well, here's the I, that that term, that's that's the exact term that Alan Walsh, Perron's agent, was tweeting, kangaroo no. court. <laughs> so, although like that's hey six games, if you're appealing, it might have been five, but like that's a pretty blatant suspension. It's hard to it's hard to argue that one. Right? Like I don't care what the past is in the player, it's the action. I right, but I I don't know. We went through it at the time. I I disagree, but even even more to the point, why wouldn't the league just put make the suspension five from the start? Then it never gets appealed. Yeah, fair point. Oh no, Frank, they have an appeal process. They want to have it in place. It's a very fair process. <laughs> hey, I don't want to scare you, but I'm still alive in the Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool. Whoa, whoa, whoa! On a Thursday? Yep. Holy cow. What has happened? Did, so it's a new year, Frank. Like I told you, you got to turn over a new leaf to take a different strategy this year. Did you go with the obvious one first rather than the long shot first? Well, it's not even the obvious one. I just, I took a different approach going with some team props. I went with the Boston Bruins over three and a half goals and they came through for me the other night. So I'm still in. Oof. Go to uh, dailyfaceoff.com. The Wendy Survivor Pool, uh, Frank Sarava. Could Frank be the St. Louis Blues of 2019 coming out of nowhere? I don't know if he's got a if he's got a theme song in his basement now or not. Maybe he's singing along. Does does, does Wendy? Hey, by the way, that, to- just just for for reference, that St. Louis Blues theme song, Gloria, came from a bar in South Philly. Yes, they were there for New Year's. At the, I was telling you before, the Philadelphia turns into Mardi Gras, the Mummers Parade. Those guys went out on New Year's in Philly and in a bar in South Philly, heard Gloria, and it became their their song for the rest of the year. Shout out to wow. my guy, Larry Flowers, who took the guys on the blues out that night. And that's that's what started the run. Biddington got his start in Philly the next game, his first start of the year, and they were off and running. So, hey, you could be like Frank. Go to dailyfaceoff.com. $5,000 to the winner. And trust me, all you got to do is you got to have a few good weeks. Get on a heater here, right? Be a be a winning streak team. And you could get in. And uh, you get daily prizes, of course, uh, weekly prizes for food, the, uh, the French toast sticks, Frank's favorite. But more importantly, you can have bragging rights and a little bit of cash, $5,000, if you can be the ultimate survivor at dailyfaceoff.com in the Wendy's Survivor Pool. 
Good luck, Frank. You have yet to win a prize. So you, uh, right. You've yet to win a prize. This could be your first week of winning a prize. We'll see. Oh, if you win the French toast sticks, man, on, on our next podcast, you'll just be giddy. I dude, I'm all about chick. It's, it's basically like chicken and waffles, French toast sticks and, and get yourself chicken some, and, yeah, some see, chicken, chicken and waffles, man. That's I like chicken. I don't really love waffles. They're okay, but that's butter and syrup and you get salty and sweet at the same time. It's so you put syrup and butter on the chicken. Oh yeah. Do you do the whole, like you, you eat it like you would normally a waffle, but then you add fried chicken on top. Oh, it's fried chicken. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jeez. All right. Well, maybe is that like a Philly special? No, it's a Southern thing. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there you go. Is there any place you recommend? Like if you're going to have it for the first time? Somewhere, somewhere down South, go to, uh, go to waffle house, get some chicken and waffles, chicken and waffles. All right. I'll try it out. Frank, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.